As we take pause this week and remember Martin Luther King Jr. and the strength of his powerful witness of hope and freedom for all people, even in the midst of oh so many obstacles and challenges that still are on the horizon, some right at our back door, some at our front door, aren't we all, honestly aren't we all hoping for the best right now? Let me explain. Typically, at this time of year, if it were an average year, We'd be sorting, organizing, reviewing diets and exercise programs, maybe signing up at a gym, and especially, especially if we're running a little late, we would be finishing up whatever changes need to be made to a whole new set of calendars, whether they're in our our pocket, in the glove box, or maybe on our computer or something. Some of us would even be reviewing budgets and studying the tax laws to see how we can possibly get a leg up on the IRS this year. Yes, for most, I think it's safe to say that our mindset in an average year would probably be one of looking ahead, preparing for the new year before us, and, I'm speaking for myself now anyway, fully expecting that the best of 21 will come. But this year is different, isn't it? This year is way different. After realizing that the collateral damage of 2020 lingers on and will be lingering on for months, if not for the remainder of 2021, so many people I know are tentative about the future. And whether they know it or not, they've possibly moved from expecting the best to simply hoping for the best. Accordingly, especially in this somewhat bumpy period during the first 100 days of Joe Biden, our 46th president, most of us are uncertain of what's going to happen. So we find ourselves moving slowly, carefully, wisely calculating our every move and perhaps, you might even say, although it sounds like an oxymoron, we're cautiously, maybe even reluctantly hoping for good things, for good things to be around every corner, rather than just more bad news. Think about it for a minute. What difference does it make if we, one, hope for the best while preparing for the worst, or if we have a different approach to life? What if we genuinely expect the best to happen, and if we do expect it to happen, we will find God's promises in every circumstance, won't we? Isn't it pretty much the same thing, or is there possibly a major difference in the way we approach what lies ahead? That's what we're talking about today. But first, we're going to hear from the book of Genesis chapter 15 and a few verses from Genesis chapter 21. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. I am your reward. Your ward your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue to be childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no offspring, and so a slave born in my house is to be my heir? But the word of the Lord came to Abram, This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issue shall be your heir. So he brought him outside and said, 
Look toward heaven and count the stars, if you are able to count them. Then God said to Abram, So shall your descendants be. Later, a little bit later in Genesis chapter 21, The Lord dealt with Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to his son whom Sarah bore him, and Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. My friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Okay, I'm not sure when you're listening to the message today, but one thing is for sure. We've made the turn into the new year. Many are still waiting for the COVID vaccine. By now, there's a new administration in the White House, and our future is ahead of us. Seems to me like it's safe to say we're hoping and we're praying for the best, aren't we? I think we are. After all, when you consider the journey of Abram and Sarah, the journey that we just heard about, one might think they were ready to give up hoping for children. But with God, with God as our foundation, with God as the one who holds the future, how do you give up hoping? Well, the Bible doesn't offer an analysis of the psychological well-being of Abram. Nor does the Bible tell the reader that Abram was ready to give up on God. But he certainly sounded like it at times. And you have to admit, his chances of having a genuine heir, a genuine person of his own flesh and blood to be, you know, to carry on his legacy so that his descendants would someday outnumber the stars, you got to admit the chances were not looking good. Although to our knowledge, Abram was still a nomad of sorts, he still had many a day when he questioned when and how God's big plans for him were going to start taking shape. How much longer would he have to wait for his future to take a turn? He may have thought, God, is this all there is? I thought you wanted me to settle down and raise my own family. But look at all the obstacles standing in the way. Why aren't you doing more to make things better? So given the circumstances that Abram faced daily, exactly how did he hold on tightly to a sense of hope? How on earth did Abram stay strong, hoping for the best? How did Sarah stay strong? hoping for the best. In this commentary on the book of Genesis, it's very interesting commentary. The title of it is Opening Up Genesis. The author is a person by, uh, by the name of Kay Strassner. The author writes this, Abram's story reminds us of a soap opera. In one episode, we find him the triumphant man of faith, believing God for the birth of a miracle child. And we say to ourselves, Abram believed God. Look at him. But in the following episode, we see him fathering an illegitimate child, squabbling with his wife, and in a whole heap of trouble. Now we say, Abram believed God? He certainly doesn't act like he believes God. 
Though Abram was a man of faith, Abram was re- who was later renamed Abraham, and that's how we use his name today, he was sometimes as unpredictable as the wind. But the one constant in this story, and the one constant in our story today, is God. Abram is known to us as a man of faith, not because his, that his trust never wavered, but Abram is known as a man of faith to us because God, the object of that trust, never wavered. God was the anchor to which Abram's fledgling boat was always attached, and thus, because of God's immovability, Abram's faith remained and stayed strong. Well, give me a minute. I want to say a word about the changing context of today's message. And by the way, I am preaching this message on the morning of Inauguration Day, uh, January 20th. In fact, Inauguration is actually not even going to begin here in the, in the West, uh, in Arizona, for about an hour. Originally, some of you know I had another message planned for this week. It was a message about thriving as we graciously receive God's abundant gifts rather than striving. It was supposed to be thrive rather than strive. The striving part meaning this. We're called to thrive because of God's abundant gifts rather than to strive, trying to earn what God already offers to us freely. But the circumstances in America lately urged me to respond to what I believe has become an ever-present danger to many people these days. And this is it. How do we keep hope alive when hope is trying so hard to elude us? Keep in mind, when I sat down to make the changes to this week's message, it was the morning after our sitting president had been impeached for the second time. After all, It had only been just over a week since the angry mob had brutally stormed the Capitol, leaving five people dead in its wake. And prior to those significant events, I, for one, was beginning to feel hopeful. I was beginning to even feel joyful about the future. You could even say I was feeling like we as a nation were beginning to make the turn to move forward with eventually outsmarting the coronavirus, and subsequently, we would move forward toward economic recovery in America. But again, in my opinion, the positive movement toward making a fresh start in the new year experienced, for me anyway, a huge setback with those two tragic events that now have their own chapter written in the history books of tomorrow. Indeed, it seems to me that many things are standing in the way of our leadership being able to lead America toward a fresh new productive change, which I'm convinced once we make that turn and once we put those changes into place, I'm convinced that Americans will once again feel that spark of hope in their hearts. So what might all this prompt us to do today again? For me here, sitting here in front of this microphone, it's an hour yet to the inauguration of our 46th president. I think we're cautiously hoping, if that's even possible. Yes, I think we're hoping for the best while a big part of us is still waiting for the other shoe to drop. So what can we do? Is there anything we can do to better prepare ourselves for what lies ahead? 
the Native American Hopi language has a word that describes life out of balance. Koyanesquatsi. Koyanesquatsi. Which also means crazy life or life in turmoil. Koyanesquatsi means a state of life that calls for another way. Curious. This Koyawasnazi is certainly a perfect description of life for so many people today. Let me give you an example. You might remember, because I've spoken about it at least twice before in the last couple months or so, that each evening before bedtime, Brownie, Wendy, and I gather together on the floor on Brownie's bed for an evening devotional prayer time. We call it Pack Devo. Well, certainly for Pack Devo, which is very important to the Bryant family, we are making a move. We're consciously switching to a devotional resource, a nightly devotional resource, that clearly focuses on, on God's role in history, in our lives today, right where we live, the people we are in 2021 in Yuma, Arizona. We need something to be much more relevant to what we're going through right now. The devotional resource that we've been using, indeed, it's very fitting for your typical average new year, but it clearly does not address life in 2021, especially in America. So we decided that our thoughts and prayers each day, each night in this case, they need to be relevant and timely and directly address the Koyanesquatsi we are experiencing. Why? Wendy and I are convinced. And I think Brownie is too, that we're clearly in a state of life that calls for another way. And we know, given time, and this is important, hear me, given time, as we begin again to feel God's presence and strength, our sights will be raised higher and God will lead us to fully expect the best to happen, no matter what happens. Day by day, hoping for the best if we choose for it to happen, if we choose to focus our thoughts on heavenly things, hoping for God's action in the unbalanced life, this life in turmoil that swirls around us, we will, will it not eventually lead us to expect the best? Why? Because our focus, our focus will be on the abundant life God promises rather than the sadness, the hatred, and the difficulty that seems to present itself day after day. The Apostle Paul said it this way in the book of Colossians chapter 3. So if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will re be revealed with him in glory. Here the Apostle Paul is speaking directly, I think, to a people who have had their vision and worldview trapped and held in worldly matters, unable to see and understand the heavenly aspects of life, of the life God in Christ clearly represents and clearly reveals, not just for him, but available every day to anyone who chooses genuinely 
genuinely to follow Jesus. Clarence Jones, who helped the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. write the I Have a Dream speech, told a Television Critics Association panel in 2013 how the most famous part of that speech came out spontaneously. This is what, this is a, according to an interview from Clarence Jones long ago. It was August 28, 1963. King was speaking to hundreds of thousands at the Lincoln Memorial, and millions were watching on TV when suddenly singer Mahalia Jackson called out, Very few people know, in fact, most people do not know, that the speech that he gave that day was not the speech that he intended to give. As he was reading from the text of his prepared remarks, there came a point when Jackson, his favorite gospel singer, who was sitting on the platform, said to him, Tell them about the dream, Martin. Tell them about the dream. When Mahalia shouted to him, I was standing about 50 feet behind MLK, and I saw it happen in real time. He just took the text of his speech, carefully removed it to the far left side of the lectern, and I said to somebody standing next to me, these people don't know it, but they're about to go to church. Even though we face the difficulties of tomorrow, I still have a dream, said MLK. And he launched into what could be the most prophetic speech ever uttered in our day. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted and every hill and mountain shall be made low. I have a dream today. The rough places will be plain and the crooked places will be made straight and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope. This is the faith that I go back to. I go back to the south with this faith. With this faith, we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair, a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. And this will be the day. This will be the day when all God's children will be able to sing with new meaning, My country tis of thee, sweet Lord of liberty. Of thee I sing. Land where my father died, land of the pilgrim's pride, from every mountainside, let freedom ring. And if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. Closed quotes. Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream for America and for the world, I think, was not unlike God's dream for Abraham and Sarah. MLK's whole life was about expecting God to someday bring out the very best in people because of who God is not because of who we are. And MLK had this expectation. He held tightly to this hope, even in the midst of what appeared before him to be insurmountable obstacles. Think about it for a minute. What difference does it make if we hope for the best while preparing for the worst, or 
if we genuinely expect the best to happen, we will truly find God's promises in every circumstance, won't we? These two ways of hoping for the best, my friends, really are not one and the same thing, are they? Without a doubt, there's a major difference in the way we finally choose to approach what lies ahead. Because I can choose today to hope reluctantly and find everything that's wrong with the world. In other words, I can choose to just wait and see and listen for the other shoe to drop. Or, like Abraham and Sarah and Martin Luther King Jr., I can believe God and I can expect the very best will come and will be set before me to receive as a blessing. That said, it's pretty clear to me, the more we fully trust our hope to God and fully expect God to be the foundation of our hope, the more we can fully expect our hopes to become another chapter written down in tomorrow's history books. Perhaps America, and I know there are more than just Americans listening to this message, so you fill in the blank of your time in your country, the place where you live, and the situation in which you live. You fill in that blank. Perhaps, America, it's finally time for us to both hope for and at the same time fully expect the best God has to offer. We don't know what the future holds, but we do know who holds the future, don't we? My heart is breaking in a way I never thought it could. My mind is racing with the question, are you still good? Can you make something from the wreckage? Would you take this heart and make it whole again? Though the mountains may be moved into the sea, though the ground beneath might crumble and give away, I can hear my Father in heaven singing over me, It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Amen. So may it be. Amen.